Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Well, didn't think uh, I would have to do this show today, but we're going to have to do this show. Um, Man, Josh Langford out indefinitely uh, will be reevaluated. Uh, in mid or January, I don't think they specified when in January, but we'll be reevaluated in January, three months from now, um, and it just sucks. So we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about how much it sucks, why it sucks, and how Michigan State will potentially patch things together and move forward here. And I have a, a historical, I don't know, anecdote precedent. That suggests um, maybe it'll be okay, but it sucks, totally sucks, totally terrible, uh, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, for most of today's show, then, uh, third segment, Matt Hapner from The Only Colors is going to join the show. Um, I talked with him before recording this um, and you know asked him about Langford as well, and then we get into some football stuff, talk about Penn State, talk about where Michigan State is at, confidence in the offense, defense. And just what to expect, what we hope to see from the team this weekend and moving forward for the rest of the season. All right, let's uh, jump into this Langford stuff. So this is just a thing to live by, a note to live by I'm learning. (laughs) If Tom Izzo calls a surprise press conference, just it's bad. Something bad's going to happen. I, as you guys know, listeners of the show know, have been dealing with a, a leg surgery uh, recently and have been, you know, recovering slowly from it, hobbling around a little bit, shuffling along, but I'm in no shape to walk any sort of distance. So I uh, skipped out on Mark D'Antonio's press conference yesterday because it's just, you know, sometimes in East Lansing, parking's tough. And uh, especially at the IM West building, which is where we park for the media availability, uh, the last two times uh, I was there, I didn't get a spot and had to park uh, a ways away, not a huge ways, but you know, a, a ways away and then basically jog to the press conference in order to get there in time. And so I just wasn't ready to make that commitment, I guess. Uh, I would have had to have gotten there <laughs> like half an hour early and just driven around the parking lot until I found a spot risking it because there's not a chance that I could have even parked on the opposite side of the stadium, the the south end of the stadium, and walked all the way to the north end for the press conference. It would have taken me a half an hour to walk that distance, and I would have been in pain after. So I decided to stay home, follow it on Twitter, and work from home uh, today. And it just so happens that Tom Izzo, after Mark D'Antonio's uh, press conference, hopped up on the podium for a surprise presser and announced a massive piece of news, Josh Langford is out indefinitely after re-aggravating his foot injury that cost him most of last season. First and foremost, just my heart goes out for Langford. My heart breaks for him. Um, just such a terrible piece of news. And by all accounts, Tom Izzo, like Tom Izzo freaking was about to cry at the press conference. Um and you see tweets from people like Jay Billis, Seth Greenberg, other national writers, P- 
people who are around the program who say just the most glowing things about Josh Langford and how good of a person he is, how good of a teammate he is, how great of a leader he is. Izzo said he's uh, among the all-time people he's ever had in the program. And just think about that for one second. Over the 25 years, all the people that have come through this program, all the fantastic leaders and just great members of the basketball program. And for a guy like Langford to be, you know, mentioned in that group, to be among those group, maybe the among the very best, as Izzo said. He's just a fantastic young man, a great captain, a great leader, a great teammate, and somebody who everybody loves. Like, you can't find someone to say something bad about him. Hell, I even saw a tweet from Carrion Johnson, uh, Lions running back, setting something out towards Josh Langford. And they did go to high school together. Carrion Johnson and Josh Langford were in the same high school together at the same time. So there's obviously uh, a little bit of a bond going back there. But that just, you know, all these years later, they've been uh, not <laughs> in high school for a while. Carrion Johnson's in his second year in the NFL. Um, but still had to make sure he sent out some love for Josh Langford. Uh, it just, it sucks. It's heartbreaking. Um, I wish I could donate my foot to him. I'll take the Liz Frank injury and I'll, you know, refuse to play competitive sports <laughs> so that he can continue to do it. Um, it just, it's a bummer. And it's something where since it's a recurrence of this issue and feet are so tough and stress, stress fractures in feet, for basketball players, I mean, gosh, just go look at LeBron James's feet. Like, a, Google it. Pause this podcast and search Shaquille O'Neal feet or LeBron James's feet. What this sport does to them over uh, years and years of playing, it just destroys feet. And when that you get a, a stress fracture injury in a foot like that, and it recurs almost instantly. Like Josh hadn't been back resuming full basketball activities for for too too long. And for it to pop up again like that, it, it makes me concerned about his future playing basketball. Um, I hope, I hope, I hope that it gets squared away this time around and it never happens again and he never has to worry about it ever again. But, you know, to put a, such a long-term timetable on it, you know, it's going to be reevaluated in months. Not we'll take another look at it in a few weeks. Not he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Not he's going to be out two months and then he'll be back. We'll reevaluate it in three months. It's indefinite. And that is just not a great prognosis. Um, I don't think we'll see him back uh, in January right away. Like If he's cleared, then he'll have to resume basketball activities and begin ramping things back up and getting himself to a point where he can play in a basketball game and not worry about it just happening again. And man, I just, I just don't like the things around it. The fact that it's recurring, the fact that it's a foot, the fact that they put such a long-term timetable of indefinite on it doesn't make me feel great uh, about the long-term prognosis of it. And man, (laughs) it would just be so crappy for Josh if it plays out and it's something that just continues to nag him. And if, even if he's able to come back, you're worrying about it and is a jump here, you know, a hard cut on the floor here. 
going to do something that just knocks him back out and uh, ends up being what derails his career because, you know, Josh is a really good player, does a lot of things really well. And he wasn't, you know, done playing basketball at the college level by any stretch. Um, You know, it would have been remained to be seen whether or not he could hang in the NBA. Uh, Athleticism is something that sticks out there and just his ability for his game to translate at the next level. But there certainly was professional basketball in his future. He would have gotten some sort of professional shot absolutely overseas, potentially uh, with uh, an NBA team, a G League type team where he could have worked out a career because he can do a lot of really good things. And he's a really smart, good basketball player and just a, a wonderful captain team guy, someone you want in your basketball group. And I thought this year he was going to, assuming health, kind of pick up on where he left off last season, but show even more consistency. Uh, you started to see a little bit more consistent play out of Langford last year before he got hurt. You saw him shoot it better, more consistently, um, and just kind of cut down on some of those mistakes that he would make, some of those um, things that would sort of drive you insane because you're like, man, you're <laughs> just crushing it. And then a brain fart, uh, a really bad decision, a couple bad turnovers, a couple bad possessions. And he had really started to turn the corner a bit with that, was playing great perimeter defense, was shooting the lights out, was scoring at a good clip, and was a huge part of a really good team last season uh, before it all went downhill on him with the foot. And I was just, I was really expecting him to bounce back and, and build on that and to have a really awesome season this year, finish out his career being an integral part to a really great team, be an all-conference type guy, threatening to be an all-conference guy, scoring 16 or so points a game, getting some assists, getting some rebounds, playing great defense, and shooting the ball really well from the perimeter. And it just sucks. Totally, totally sucks. There's nothing else, no other reaction to it uh, on the surface than uh, it just sucks. So we'll, uh, (laughs) just like the team, be sad about it for a minute, but then you know, pick up the pieces and move on. Izzo said at practice, it's going to suck. It's going to shock everyone. We're going to be mad. But then when we get to practice, it's going to be back to work. Dog eat dog is what he said. But dog eat dog mentality, back to work. It's time to get after it and get ready for the season, unfortunately. So we'll uh, talk a little bit about what's next for them uh, as it relates to this spot here in the next segment. And I also want to get to this anecdote that, you know, maybe helps ease this a little bit. So we'll do that here in just a minute. Okay, so first the anecdote, the historical precedent, if you will. This was sent to me on Twitter, courtesy of Dave Hoffman at dhoff822. And he sent me a press release that is titled Cleaves Out Two Months with Stress Fracture. Um, And when you open it up, it is, of course, from October of 1999, October 25th. 1999 and it's just you know your standard press release um and it just reminded me like oh yeah same type of injury (laughs) um maybe Cleves was a little bit more important to the team you know it'd be like Cassius is sort of the one-to-one there um but so a very important player uh missing a bunch of time at the beginning of the season with a stress stress fracture and of course you know there are differences that are really important to this like Cleves had a set timetable. Injury a little bit different. Did a little bit different type of player. Um, 
and certainly different team, different time period, all that stuff. There are differences, but the point of this is, and I'm not saying Michigan State is now going to, you know, this is a good thing. It's a good omen or anything like that. But Michigan State uh, has overcome something similar and gone on to have a very successful season capped by a national championship. And it's not directly one-to-one. It's not apples-to-apples. Exactly. Um, But, you know, the sky's not falling. And we don't even have to look as far back as 1999-2000 to do that. (laughs) We can just look at last season when Langford went out, when uh, Nick Ward went out, when Arns missed some time, when pretty much everybody on the team got hurt at some point in some way. Uh, And that team... Just kept building and building, getting stronger and stronger, reinventing itself, and of course, had one of the great seasons of all time in Michigan State basketball history. So, the sky is not falling. Maybe a tiny piece of it fell, (laughs) Um, but it's okay right now. And there are a number of reasons why uh, the depth on this team, the depth on this roster is really incredible at this point. Uh, There are really good basketball players who aren't going to see minutes for this team who would be starters, fringe starters, sixth, seventh guys playing 18 minutes, 16 minutes for many, many other teams in the country and in the conference. So it's a very deep team. Uh, I said it would take one to three or not one to three. It would take three really bad injuries um, to really derail the season so long as it isn't Cassius. Uh, and you got one of them. So you got a couple more to go before things really start to to get super hairy. Uh, and they did it just last season. So that's something that, you know, it's it makes it a little bit easier. And, you know, this is where the, the impact of losing a guy like Matt McQuaid is going to be really felt. Certainly it was going to be felt. Uh, and it was going to be felt early in the season because you lose a veteran presence like that. Someone who can defend to the perimeter uh, at that level, that's certainly going to be a loss, but now it, the, the loss is magnified that much more with Langford not being able to just sort of step right in and fill that role. It's going to be some more earlier minutes for younger guys, just like last season with Aaron Henry. Um, and, you know, they're going to have to make the best of it. And, you know, in terms of what I think, what I'd like to see, what I what I think we'll see with replacing these minutes... Uh, you're going to see Henry maybe shift more to the two at times is an immediate thing. You know, I think Henry was pretty locked in at small forward, maybe even moving into power forward on some smaller lineups and occasionally playing two. I think you're going to see more two from Henry than you would. Um, I don't think he, he might start there depending on Arns because Arns has uh, an ankle sprain but it seems like he'll be back in time for the regular season. I think you'll see a starting lineup of Cassius, Arns, uh, Henry, and then we'll see about Bingham, but Bingham got the start in scrimmage. Bingham and Tillman, something like that. Maybe Kithier and Tillman will be the starting there. Um, and that's, you know, Arns wouldn't be starting. Langford would, uh, assuming full health. But, you know, between Arns and Henry, someone's going to play the two, three, uh, kind of interchangeable wing players. And Henry's just going to take the better uh, perimeter player from the opposing team guard the best perimeter player and so you know having Aaron someone with experience there is going to be good to be able to ease this transition a bit you'll see you know like I said some Aaron starting for sure the the guy that you immediately think about in terms of taking the most on in a new role is Rocket Watts freshman Rocket Watts combo guard can play the point can play the two 
can definitely play off the ball and is kind of an explosive athletic scorer. Um, we'll see about the defense. You never know with guys transitioning. Some pick it up quicker than others. That's going to be key for him. If Rocket Watts can come in and play really good perimeter defense, doesn't even have to be you know high, high end because you've got Aaron Henry to take off that burden of responsibility. And even Arns, too, uh, can hang a little bit. If Rocket Watts can adjust quickly and stay on the floor uh, defensively, I think he'll see a big uptick in minutes and roll. Uh, he's going to be more involved in the offense. He's going to be asked to make big shots with the starting unit kind of right away. And, you know, we'll see. He's a good recruit, a really talented kid, wonderful highlight film, and is someone who's going to score a lot of points and do a lot of really good things here at Michigan State. It's just the burden of that is going to be thrust on him sooner rather than later. You know, he was able, he was in a spot where he could really ease in. And I don't think Racket Watts can ease in as much anymore. Then you also have scenarios where Michigan State can go a little bit bigger. And I do really like the potential of some of these lineups where you've got two of the three of, or two of whatever. I mean, we'll see about Malik Hall and Marble. Um, but Xavier Tillman, Kithier, and Marcus Bingham up front. Uh, seeing a lot of minutes there. It doesn't look like Joey Hauser is going to get cleared to play. They're appealing his waiver, which was denied. Uh, he would be another guy that could factor into the front court. But there's a lot of front court bodies there, and you've got whatever combination you want there. And then at the three, you could do uh, some Gabe Brown minutes there at the three, playing kind of a big three uh, at six foot six, six foot seven. You know, big power or big small forward there, especially for the college game. And if he's come along defensively if his game is getting more refined and all reports are that Gabe Brown has taken a step in his development and is looking like the really good player and is turning some of the potential we saw last season into actual results like we're going to start seeing it more and more on the floor if he can do that he can play at the three and you can have Aaron Henry at the two and then Cassius at the one you know Cassius is small but outside of that that's a really big athletic lineup like imagine <laughs> Tillman Bingham up front and then Gabe Brown at the three and Aaron Henry at the two. Uh, that's That could be a really special defensive unit, uh, really at crazy athletic, very switchable. Um, and you do what you can to sort of um, mitigate Cassius's deficiencies in terms of size. Uh, although reports are that he has added a little bit of weight and is stronger and is in better shape more conditioned and a little bit uh, more athletic this year. And so that's certainly a good thing, but he's never, I think going to be a great on ball defender because he is a smaller guy and he's not the most fleet of foot. He's more savvy, athletic than explosive. Um, but when you, you got him surrounded by four guys like that, like remember those Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas teams from a few years ago, Isaiah Thomas, one of the worst, uh, it, actually the worst defenders in the NBA. And they were still a really, really good defensive team because they had four other guys that could really defend. And Cassius is a smart defender too. And he's not a lazy defender. It's just some of the limitations he has. And so with him and then those four guys, those four big athletic switchable bodies, I think they could do a really good job, be a really tough, tough team to score on great rim protection. They should, if, if Bingham can, you know, he's added some weight. If Bingham is rebounding uh, better with Tillman down there, and then you've got uh, Henry and, and Brown coming in off the boards on the wings, like that could be a really good rebounding team, good shot blocking team. And on the other side of the floor, uh, you've got five guys who can all shoot. The spacing would be absolutely incredible. 
the pick and rolls would be phenomenal with Cassius. Um, the, you could get the ball in Henry's hands if he's developed as a playmaker, which it, it, the reports are that he's getting better at that and as a secondary ball handler and even subbing in a guy like Rocket Watts somewhere in there as well. Like that could be a really special group. Um, Michigan State has a lot of talent, a lot of depth, a lot of experience, uh, and a lot of combinations and options to fill the lost minutes for Josh Langford. And it would be most preferable that Langford take those minutes, um, but he just doesn't seem like uh, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, certainly isn't happening until January, and then you'll reevaluate from there. But my hopes aren't high, but I, my hopes are very high that this team can adjust and, and fill in for him and do a really good job. And you know Langford, he's going to be positive in the entire situation and be a phenomenal teammate, a phenomenal leader, phenomenal captain. And that is such a, an invaluable thing, especially for a guy like Rocket Watts, who's going to be stepping into a big role. I know it was big for Henry to have Langford to lean on at times last year. Watts is going to be able to lean on Henry. He's going to be able to lean on Cassius. He's going to be able to lean on uh, Langford and Foster Lawyer and all the guys that have been around there and help him get into that that new role he's going to have in that backcourt for sure. So not all doom and gloom. Totally sucks. It's totally terrible. Uh, But this is still the best team uh, in the country, I would say, despite that loss. They're just so deep and so talented. Um, And it's going to be interesting to watch them uh, overcome this for sure. All right, Matt Hapner from The Only Colors is going to join us here in just a minute. But first, erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash locked. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. Happy to be joined now by Matt Hapner from The Only Colors. Matt joins us every week to talk about football. And this week, we're actually going to talk a little bit of basketball here off the jump. But first, Matt, how you doing? Thanks so much for making time, as always. Yeah, no problem. Doing uh, doing okay. A little little, uh, <laughs> little upset about the news that we're about to talk about here. Though. Yes. Yeah, let's get right into it. Josh Langford, um out indefinitely until January where he's going to be reevaluated with uh, this foot injury popping back up. And honestly, uh, I, I just talked about this before you and I jumped on this, uh, this interview here. Uh, I don't feel great about any sort of long-term prognosis for Langford just with, with foot injuries like this that are reoccurring. What was your reaction uh, to seeing the news? Surely it was bad. And then what do you think Michigan State kind of has to do moving forward to adjust to this? You know, it's nice it happens before the season gets going, uh, but what is the plan now, do you think? Yeah, well, my reaction was just, I mean, probably the same as, as most Michigan State fans and, you know, maybe just any college basketball fan that saw that, which was just, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it, it's a just brutal break for a, a kid who's been working himself all the way back seems like setback after setback after setback and I I'm with you like in my opinion you should figure on anything that you get from Langford this season is a bonus you you shouldn't really count on anything at this point because after Mm -hmm. the way we saw it go last year you know where it starts you know oh a couple games or maybe a couple weeks so then it's more now it's got to be reevaluated oh now it's tweaked again now he's having surgery it's done for the year and now it's you know, I mean, we're, we're 10, 11 months later since the initial injury and, and he's out again. So, 
yeah, let's just go ahead and, and focus on what they're going to have to try and do to fill that role. And it, quite frankly, it, it's going to be tough. It's not, it, it's not that they don't have the guys to do it, but it's going to have to be a tandem effort for sure. Yeah, and, you know, this is a spot where, you know, losing McQuaid and Goins and Nick Ward is certainly going to hurt. They're good players, and they were experienced, and they did a lot of really good things. And this is a spot where, like, the the loss of McQuaid is going to be felt immediately uh, here. What do you think, before we move to some football, uh, are some decent options, and how do you see it sort of playing out in that backcourt spot uh, through the at least the first couple of games here as Michigan State gets going? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the the obvious guy that a lot of people are going to look to is going to be uh, the freshman uh, Rocket Watts. I mean, just because he is a, a you know perimeter player, um, and he's probably you know in terms of a scoring option to give you what Langford or to try and you know make up for some of what you figured to get from Langford, mm-hmm. he's probably the best offensive option there, but. You know, you, that's that's not the only thing that you need to look at. And, and you got to remember, you know, as nice as it was, McQuaid kind of turned his offense up with Langford out last year, especially down the stretch and had some huge games offensively. But defensively, he was one of the best, you know, perimeter defenders in, in the entire country. So that's going to be the area where I think they're going to have to kind of try and figure out, you know, who's going to work in there defensively at the right times. Is it going to be, you know, are they going to move Henry around to just kind of have him play against whoever the best uh, wing or perimeter player is? Are they going to have, you know, is what we've heard about Gabe Brown's game improvements on both ends of the floor? Is that going to play into it? Because he's probably the other guy with Watts who gets a lot of those minutes. You know, Kyle Arns, again, he's banged up again. So you don't <laughs> really know how his body's going to hold up either, even though he's, you know, maybe – the guy that you think, you know, Izzo might trust the most because he's uh, the most experienced of those guys. So it's, there's going to take some, uh, going to take some learning curve with some of these guys and with Izzo to kind of figure out, you know, what is the, the right combination of guys to put together in the, you know, right spots and at different times of the game. Yeah. And thankfully Michigan state is deep and they're going to have options, but it's going to take some time. I think, to sort through that, uh, and you don't have uh, much time to get it sorted because you open up with the number two team in the country. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, not that we're like, yeah, looking forward to it. It sucks that Langford's out, but it will be, uh, I think, fun and exciting to see Rocket Watts take steps and see Gabe Brown take a step and Aaron Henry be put into a bigger role. I think it'll be, you know, once they get adjusted and get things sorted out, it'll be um, – fun to see them sort of mix and match and work their way through that let's turn the page here to football uh you've been doing some work certainly getting ready uh writing about uh later this week michigan state's opponent this week penn state what so far um do you think are the important things people need to know about penn state uh and what are some things that you know maybe are going to be keys to this game do you think yeah i mean penn state is they're they're solid they're just kind of overall really solid. And, you know, if you've been watching their games, you've, you've seen that they haven't necessarily been, you know, blowing people out or, you know, they've had some blowout games, but, you know, they've just been kind of doing what they need to do. And that's kind of typical Penn State. 
especially the last few years under Franklin, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they kind of do what they, they need to do and, and not a whole lot more. And sometimes they don't do enough, especially towards the end of the game. And you saw one almost get away from them the other day against Michigan, but you know, they, they've got some game breakers and they got some big play guys. And, uh, you know, it's, and their defense has been, for the most part, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that for the Spartans, like, they just haven't been able to get anything going against, any, you know, the last two defenses they've played. So that's, that's a big concern for me is, you know, what what is the offense going to look like for Michigan State after the last two games and having a bye week to prepare for this? Yeah, how, like, just how concerned are you with the offense? I mean, it's such it's been like kind of a roller coaster. They're either putting up 30 plus on solid to good defenses or, you know, lighting up Western or they're putting up absolutely nothing against really elite defenses. Like it is just Jekyll and Hyde at times. Like where are you at with them on that side of the ball right now? It's, it's hard to really know. I mean, we've, we, you and I have talked about it. We've tried to be optimistic and, you know, we've seen, like you said, there have been some some good games, but you know the the bet the bit the best teams they've played, the teams that really are you know the, the 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 good teams, they haven't been able to do anything. And you know we're now looking at more than half the games where they're putting up one or fewer offensive touchdowns. And I the the Wisconsin game really did feel like like a rock bottom uh, yeah. situation, even though we saw several rock bottom type games at the end of the year last year. This one kind of had a different feel to it because I mean, there were seven games into the season and you look like that. <laughs> um, are you worried about the defense? Uh, you know, the defense, it didn't, it certainly didn't help themselves in the Wisconsin game. Uh, you know, they, they had trouble getting off the field. They made some stops at a few times, but for the most part, they just kind of look – it looks like it's taken a toll on them, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been – you know, you're, you're a year and a half of this consistently, and, and at times you can go back to the, you know, previous years before that where you're you're talking about the defense just carrying everything. And it's I think it's taken a toll. I think they're just wearing down a little bit and, you know, got punched in the mouth last week. I don't expect that to happen again. And I, you know, the, the, um, the Ohio state game, I don't think the defense played badly. No, they were they just yeah. were victims of several different things, including Ohio state being really good. And, uh, and the, and the offense not, you know, helping them out in a couple of spots. So, yeah. You know, if you're going to have a bad game from your defense, that was last week. Hopefully they can, you know, be strong the rest of the way because they're going to have to be. Yeah, I'm still at a point where I'm not fully worried about the defense just because of the track record. I mean, 34 to Ohio State is like two touchdowns less than their season average. Like you got to sort of take things into context there. Uh, when you saw the spread, I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, it's like, I think it's Penn State minus six now. It's been going between seven and five and a half and kind of sitting in the five and a half, six range for the, the couple of days here. 
What was your initial reaction to that? I'm curious. Uh, it, it wasn't that surprising, actually. Okay. I mean, you know, it, it, you, it's one that'll get, uh, it'll get some money moving, right? That's the whole <laughs> point of it. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, you could be on either side of that and think that, you know, oh, hey, that was like, because I mean, look, with it, even when Penn State is like, you know, beating teams down, they still end up only winning by like a touchdown. true it kind of is the thing that happens they have kind of that like let let the team back into them they go into the prevent thing james franklin does james franklin things and and all of a sudden it ends up being a seven point game so uh it wasn't shocking but you know i i think that uh especially if you you know watch the the team's last couple of weeks you'd say uh yeah that that that's a little lower than i would have thought yeah, that was a, a, my initial reaction too. But that is such a good point. Like, for whatever reason, like James Franklin, if you are Buffalo, James Franklin will beat you seventy to three. But if you're anyone else, they're up twenty eight to three at some point, and the game ends up twenty eight twenty or at twenty eight twenty four. Like it always ends up too close when Penn State plays real teams. Uh, what are some things you're looking for this week? Last question here that I guess would like just inspire some confidence for you or make you feel better moving forward. Like a win would obviously be huge and you can really still salvage this season. It's not totally dead yet. Um, but just what do you need to see to know that like, all right, they're not packing it in. This is going to be, you know, they're going to win some games here down the stretch. It, it, it's really nothing that you can say that's going to show up probably statistically. I mean, it's stuff that could show up statistically, obviously, but I mean, it's going to be a lot of high test stuff. Like, you know, I, they need to look like they're coming out. You know, this is, this is a season, this is your season saving game right here. You're coming mm-hmm. off the bye. You're at home. You're playing a team that is a top 10 team, but you've kind of had their number in the, in the recent uh, history of this series. And it's like, I, I, I want to see them come out and, and play like their season's on the line. Because mm-hmm. if they come out flat and bad and it's the same thing that we've seen over and over and they can't get a first down and it just looks like every other game over the last couple of years where things go south, that's going to tell me, you know, that everyone's kind of packed it in. Yeah, and that's just so out of character we've seen it one time in 13 years uh with a mark d'antonio team even the teams that really you know last year 2012 like they were still battling and competing um to the very end there was a lot of bad football but they were still like trying real hard and running to the wrong place really hard (laughs) but um yeah there was some packing in at 2016 and if if they seem like they're packing it in here that is not a great sign moving forward certainly all right he's matt happner from the only colors uh you got special teams breakdown coming out right and then what else i always forget i'm sorry yeah tomorrow we'll have the uh the full get to know penn state and then thursday we'll have the special teams and then hopefully we'll be back monday with an actual film room piece (laughs) i didn't do one after wisconsin because i was out of town and didn't really see much of the game and it's you know, there wasn't really anything to look at anyway. Yeah. So that kind of worked out. I didn't, yeah, I didn't chart the game or do anything like that either. I was like, you know what? Pass. Um, yep. And just for the sake of, we're recording this Tuesday night. So this, the, the get to know the opponent will be out 
today as you're listening today, to this yeah. on Wednesday, just to clean yep. that up a bit. All right, Matt, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. And we'll uh, catch up with you next week. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again to Matt, as always, for joining the show. That's going to do it for us here today on Locked on Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow with a crossover episode of sorts. I'll be joined by Kevin McGuire. Kevin is the host of Locked on Nittany Lions, and he also writes uh, and contributes for NBC Sports, College Football Talk, Athlon, and a million other different things. So someone who's very tuned into the world of college football. Um, So Kevin's going to join the show We'll talk a little bit about the Michigan State-Penn State matchup. And aside from that, I will do a little Penn State primer, tell you about the team, things to know, stats to know, players to watch, uh, you know, the usual pre-game shenanigans. And then we'll get into kind of my full preview on Friday, how I think this sucker is going to play out, keys to the game, and all that good stuff. So thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll see you then.